Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. We're starting a new series this morning on worldview. Uh, which is the way that you see the world around you, the lens by which you see what's good and true and real, which really affects every aspect of your life. And so if you have your Bibles, hold them um, and get ready to do a little Bible drill because fun fact, the Bible has a lot to say about how you view the world, how you view God, how you view yourself, how you view those around you and how you view the topics uh, that are beginning to consume our culture. Um, And so before we dive into our message this morning, let me give you just a quick overview of the series. Uh, It's gonna be eight, nine weeks or so, and we're gonna have the first two weeks kind of be an overview uh, to help us to begin to think biblically about not just one topic, but any topic. And then we're gonna take four or five different topics that we see in our world today that are kind of monopolizing uh, the cultural conversation right now, and we're going to see what the scriptures have to say about them. Um, And the hope is that as we do it with these topics, uh, we can do it with any topic uh, that comes next week, next month, next year. And so before we teach the series to you, let's pray the series into us. Um, So Father, I just come before you and um, thank you um, that God, your heart is to help us to see reality for what it is. And so God, we ask that of you, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and that Father, we would have the lens uh, of your word uh, guiding our lives. And so Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Well, I remember the first time I got glasses. Uh, I was in sixth or seventh grade, and I'll be honest, uh, I didn't want glasses uh, for a couple of reasons. First, I thought that those who had glasses we're nerds, um, and I don't wanna be considered a nerd. Now, if you know me, you know that the least of my worries when it comes to whether or not people think I'm a nerd is whether or not I have glasses. Like I'm in my mid thirties and I have not one but two quotes in my house from Dumbledore and Gandalf. So whether or not I'm wearing glasses really doesn't help me one way or the other, whether or not people think I'm a little nerdy, which is fine, I'm okay with that. I've come to grips with that reality. Uh, But the other reasons I didn't want to get glasses is because I simply didn't think I needed them. Like I had lived all my life seeing the world the way that I'd already seen it. And so I thought that the way I saw it was normative and I didn't see that I wasn't seeing the world the way that it really was. And so I went to the eye appointment and uh, you know, they did the lens one, lens two, lens three, lens four. What do you see better? What do you like better? And I finally kind of narrowed in on what was most clear. And I remember the first time they gave me glasses. And I remember it very distinctly because there was a window in the room and I looked out and for the first time in my life, I saw leaves on trees. Like I didn't know you were supposed to be able to see leaves on trees. I thought it was just kind of a a green kind of blob in the distance and then you got closer and then you could kind of see the individual leaves. And I was blown away about the reality that the way I'd been seeing the world was not the world that was. And what I needed was a lens so I could see the world clearly. Not the way that I thought 
but the way that it was. And so I say that to you because that's why we're doing this series. All of us have broken eyes in how we see the world, how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see others around us, and how we see topics that come up in our cultural conversations. We all have broken lenses. We all have broken eyes. And that's because we live in a broken world in which sin has come in and infected everything around us, including ourselves. And so based on our backgrounds, our upbringings, our influences, pivotal moments in our life. I remember when I was like six years old, my granddad said, if you ever vote Democrat, you're out of the will. I was like, okay, we're a Republican family, I guess. But that begins to shape you and how you see the world around you. What, what you were taught growing up about what's good, what's true, definitions of beauty, of success, all of these have a way of shaping how we see the world around us. And the problem is we think that our way of seeing is the right way until we're given a new lens and we begin to see reality, not the way that we think it is, but the reality for what it really is. And the good news of Jesus is he came that we might see, see God for who he truly is, see ourselves for who we truly are, see others for who they truly are, and see the world, not, that, not the way that we wanna see it, but the way that it actually is. And so the good news of Jesus is he has come and he's given us eyes to see him, and by seeing him, we can see the world around us for what it truly is. And so the point of your Bible is not for you just to read little fun facts about what God has historically done or, or maybe just memorize a list of do's and don'ts so you can be a good little Christian boy or girl, but rather to give you eyes to see God, yourself, others, and the world around us. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says it this way. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That's a worldview. That's a biblical worldview. And so we're starting this series about worldview and a worldview is just the lens by which you see the world. And so a common chart that you see throughout, just if you were to Google worldview, you would see this, that a worldview is what's at the very center of what you think is real. What is the ultimate reality that is determining how you see now everything else? And whatever you put in the center of that impacts what you believe to be true. And whatever you believe to be true impacts what you believe to be good. And then whatever you value to be good will have an impact on your behavior, what you actually do. And so I want you to think about this for a moment because what do we spend the majority of our time debating and arguing over and getting frustrated at. It's a behavior. What we see people doing, and yet the more time you linger with the Lord, the more you see both in yourself and others that there's something deeper driving that, which can give you an empathy and a love towards people that maybe don't behave the way that you behave. Like, I don't know about you, but if you've ever thought the idea of like, man, that guy, that girl, that political group, that party, it's like they're living in a different world. Have you ever thought that? It's not that they're living in a different world. It's that they have a different worldview. They're living in the same reality. They're just interpreting it differently because something is at the center of all of our lives. 
And whatever we put in the very center of our lives is how we then see everything else. It has an impact on how you think, how you feel, how you act. It literally impacts everything around you, how you see. And Jesus would say it this way in Matthew 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, if you have a right worldview, then the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if you have a wrong worldview, your body will be full of darkness. So if the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And so the hope of this series is that we as a church community and as we as a church body would begin to think biblically about the world around us. Because here's reality. There's gonna be another crazy that happens next week, next month, next year, and there's a good chance that we won't cover it in this series. If we were to flash back five years and, and, and cover this type of series, we would not hit the majority of things that are reality today. And so what we wanna do is not just give you the token answer for every single thing that you're ever gonna experience throughout your entire life, but rather help you to think biblically. You see, something we've lost in our kind of constant media culture is the ability to think. Like what we typically do is we kind of surround ourselves with individuals that already kind of think similar to how we think, but can communicate it in a clearer way. And we just kind of listen to them and we become echo chambers of one another. And then we're blown away when there's an entire other group of people that not just thinks differently, but behaves differently. And so we as a church and we as a big C church and we as a country are falling prey to what Paul warned us about in 2 Timothy 4 when he says this. He says, there's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate from themselves teachers to suit their own passions, echo chambers, and will turn away from listening to truth and they'll wander off into myths. But as for you, City Bridge, Christian, always be sober-minded, think rightly. Endure suffering, because when you think rightly, you're in a world that thinks falsely, and suffering's gonna come. So we do the work of an evangelist. We push out the good news of Christ because the world desperately needs some good news right now. And by doing so, we fulfill your ministry, because we all have a ministry. So the hope of this series is for you to think biblically, not just about one topic, but about every topic, so that we can see the world through the lens, not of our broken eyes and our broken background and our broken world, but through the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so before we jump into the world, we're gonna jump into your world, because we're gonna do a little eye exam this morning and what we're gonna do is we're gonna put up two different lenses in front of us. The first lens is the lens of the world, how the world wants you to interpret reality. And then we're gonna see the lens of the word, how God wants you to view reality. And as we look at these two lenses kind of side by side, lens one, lens two, we're gonna see not just the lenses, but where those lenses lead us. What path are we on? And the hope is that we wouldn't just sit here and go, yeah, 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 out there, but we would have a genuine look at ourselves in the mirror and recognize that all of us need some better eyes to see. All of us need a lens by which to see the world 
And so that's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. The first lens, we're gonna see the lens of the world. The lens of the world. All of us have broken eyes, and so the world has kind of come along and said, okay, this is how you need to interpret reality. And there's a bunch of different ways the world does this. One is they go, you know what you need to do? You need to put politics in the very center of reality, that politics or government, that's what's gonna save you. That's what's gonna impact your life. That's what's gonna determine what you think is true, good, and whatever you do. Or in some situations, it's science. Hey, 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 science is my objective reality. I only believe in the material. And therefore, that determines what I think is true, good, and what I do. Or maybe it's sex. And sexuality. And gender. And whatever I put here, because I think that's the utmost, that's what's gonna give me life. It's gonna determine what I think is true, what I think is good, and what I ultimately do. Or maybe it's work. But that's gonna satisfy me. Or maybe it's something like money or maybe something even noble like family. Whatever it is, if it's not God, at the end of the day, it's ultimately yourself. So you can call it whatever you want, money, work, politics, sex. At the end of the day, what you are saying is that what is ultimately real is me. I am my own God. And when you put yourself in the middle, it affects what you believe is true because then what becomes true is your self-identity. You've heard that a lot these last few years. And from there you say, hey, well, what, what do I value if my self-identity is what I think is true? Well, then what I value is my own self-advancement. Whatever gets me ahead is what I'm gonna value most. And from there, what you actually do is whatever benefits you. Because you're a little almighty God. And so question, what has every Disney movie been about for the last 20 years? This, self-actualization. You having that moment where you begin to realize, oh, okay, this is who I'm meant to be. And so I'm sorry, Elsa, but like, you're not the one you've been waiting for all your life, okay? Because I'm old enough to remember not just Frozen 2, but Frozen 1 where you were left unchecked and you just kind of let it go. And what happened? You alienated everyone you cared about, went to your little ice palace, isolated yourself, leaving a wake of destruction behind you. And what you needed was not your own self to be God. What you needed was sacrificial love. So I'm sorry if I just ruined your favorite Disney movie. Don't get me started about Toy Story 4. I don't have the emotional capacity to do that, but that's reality. Where does putting yourself in the center of your life lead to? This lens of the world is a denial of God that leads to a destructive life. It's a denial of God. He's not king, I am. And it leads us to a destructive life. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way. There's a way that seems right to us. This feels right. But its end is the way of death. Romans 1 gives us the clearest snapshot of what happens when we put ourselves in the center of our story. When we see the world through the lens, not of God, but of ourselves. And as I read it, I just want you to see 
just the love that God is revealing himself towards us and yet how mankind is blinding themselves. It says in Romans 1, I'm gonna read a lot, so jump in with me. Romans 1 verse 16 says it this way, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because it's the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes, no matter where you've been or what you've done, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, all of humanity, this gospel is for. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And it's not because you've done certain things or can do certain things, it's by faith, for it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is good news. And why is it good news? For the wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them because he loves you. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, they've been clearly perceived. We, the right worldview is right in front of us. We've blinded ourselves. They've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So we're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things and politicians and celebrities and yourself. So what does God do? Therefore, God gave them That is a terrifying verse. You wanna know what the wrath of God is? It's God leaving you to yourself. Because he gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among them because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up. There it is again to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relationships for that which is contrary to nature, the way God designed it. And men likewise, they they gave up natural relationships with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, since they put themselves in the center of their life, God gave them up to a debased mind To do what they ought not to be done, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil and covetousness and malice. They were full of envy and murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. We're just making stuff up now. Hey, a man can be a woman. A woman can be a man. A man can compete in a woman's sports or go into a woman's bathroom. We're just making stuff up now, and how dare you think differently? We're inventing evil. We're disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree and those that practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Look, I'm not gonna do that, but you know, love is love. Let them live, let them have their own truth. That's their truth, don't mess with them. 
What did I just describe? I just described our world. And where the lens of putting yourself in the center of your story leads to. It leads to death, to decay, to destruction. We've cut ourselves off from the author of life and all that's left is ourselves. And left alone, we're left to death. And yet the right view is right in front of us. God has made it clear to us. But sin has so clouded our eyes that we cannot see. You see, ideas have consequences. But unbiblical ideas have victims. And you want to see the world around us. Like in our country, we've seen this. There was a point in our story as a country in which we decided kind of collectively to go, you know what, we want the values of Christianity, but we don't want Christ. Like we want Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, but not Jesus who looks at you and says, believe in me and have life because you are a sinner in need of a savior. And so we cut off belief. And then a generation came up and there was no foundation for the values of what we said was good. And so all of a sudden they go, well, why am I waiting for marriage? Well, what does it matter? And so behavior followed, why? Because we cut off the author of life and we begin to spiral. And so I could take this about any moral issue of the day and just show the spiral. Like it wasn't long ago in which you you had marriage in which people designed by God to be one woman and one man for life in a covenant relationship in which they were supposed to glorify God by resembling Christ and its church. And then we started to be undivorced, congratulations. And then we pushed for no fault divorce. And then we said, hey, 2015, man can marry a man, woman can marry a woman. And then from there we've said, well, what is a man? What is a woman? You see, sin has clouded our judgment. And what was once abhorrent in our world is now being celebrated and you're the outcast if you think differently. It's a downward spiral. And I wish I could stop there. I wish I could just make it something out there and and, and somehow we as a church have figured it out, but let's be honest. We've put ourselves in the center of our own story so many ways. We've tried to run our lives only to ruin our lives. We've put ourselves in the center of our story and we've hurt relationships. We've put sex in the center and it doesn't satisfy. We've put politics, politics in the center and we're just angry all the time. We've put work in the center and we're exhausted all the time. We've put money in the center and it's never enough. The lens we have is broken. So what lens do you have on? How do you see the world around you? See, when I'm not walking deeply with Jesus, what goes in the center of my life, it's myself, but I call it performance. If I just perform, then I believe that what is true is that whatever I do, that's where I get my validation, that's where I get my acceptance, and so what is good is like killing myself to try to perform a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way, and so what I do is just run this rat race in my life and I'm never satisfied. 
That's Derek without Jesus. What is it for you? Because we all have something that war for the center of our lives. And if it's not God, it's ultimately yourself. And it will lead to a destructive life. So how do you see the world? Because the lens of the world is a denial of God that leads to a destructive life. And yet the good news is that this long paragraph about the wrath of God being revealed, that verse right before was that the the love, the grace, the mercy of God is also being revealed. The gospel of God is also being revealed to call people out of darkness and into his marvelous life, to look at those who are blind and say, see the beauties of Jesus and what he's done. And so if this is the lens of the world, and that's where it leads, there's another lens by which we see what is real and true and good and what we ultimately do, and it's the lens of the word. It's the word of God. And it's what happens when we put God in the very center, that he is ultimately what is real. He is ultimately what matters. He is what ultimately determines the course of my life. And when we do that, all of a sudden what we believe is God's word. God's word about what it says about him, what it says about you, what it says about others around you, what it says about people who are far away from Christ. And because of that, we begin to value God's way that his way leads to life. And so what we end up doing is God's will, that we look at his word and we realize that his way leads to life. And so we go, yes, I wanna do your will, oh God, in me and through me. The lens of the world is a denial of God that leads to a destructive life, but the lens of the word is a trust in God that leads to a transformed life. Jesus came and he looked at a world that had all gone astray, all had put different shepherds in their life. And he said to them in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly, have it eternally. He wants you to see. He wants you to have life and joy, and meaning, and satisfaction. He's not trying to rip you off. He wants to set you free from the chains of living your life to the God of yourself. Because that God will always let you down. That God will never be enough. And so he came, God in the flesh, to set you free. And when we put the word of God in the center of our lives, it leads to a life of freedom. Psalms 19 says it this way. I mean, just look how beautiful the word of God at the center of your life, like look at the life it leads to. It says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You need your soul to be revived. You look at the law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You need some joy today? The commandment of the Lord is pure, it enlightens the eyes, it helps us to see the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, righteous, altogether, more to be desired than gold. 
Even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb, better than comfort, better than provision. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. He came to give you life and life abundantly. Wisdom does not come by putting yourself in the center. Wisdom does not come by defining wisdom on your own terms. That only leads to destruction. We've seen it in the world and we've seen it in our own lives. Wisdom comes by depending upon the Lord. And so how do you see the world? As Proverbs 1, 7 says that the fear of the Lord, the adoration, the respect, the, the awe, that is the beginning of knowledge. When you have that in the center, it changes everything but fools despise wisdom. They despise instruction. So if that's the lens of the world, and that's the lens of the word, then how do we put the right lens on? Well, three things. First, we seek truth. We seek truth. Romans 12:1 says it this way. I appeal to you, brothers, I appeal to you, sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual worship. That word there means logical. Based on everything God has done and everything that he is, that the most logical thing for you to do is not to be king of your own little life that only leads to hurt and destruction, but rather to yield your life to King Jesus. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We all have a broken worldview. We all have a way of seeing God, ourselves, and others around us in the topics of the day that doesn't lead to life, that leads to anger, bitterness, leads to a life of hurt. And so our invitation to you is to come on a journey with us, to seek truth, to delve into the word of God. City Bridge, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Whatever excuse that you lean towards, you need to crucify that and kill that in your life. Because your eyes, day after day, need to be renewed so that you can see truth and seek truth. So we seek truth, but then we speak truth. Colossians 4, 5 says it this way, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you might know how you ought to answer each person because each and every person is different. And so we seek truth on our own, but then we speak truth to to those around us, to the platforms that God has given us. So you parents, you do that with your kids. We got an email this week that just asked, hey, are y'all gonna be doing that reading plan again? Because every single morning I sit down with my daughter and I just have, we open up the app, the City Bridge app, and we look at the reading plan and we just read it and we talk to one another. And I responded, for you, yes. 
Like for that, yes. Now we were already planning on doing it. But man, when I hear a father sitting at the breakfast table, not just dorking around on his phone, but actually pulling up his phone to engage with God's truth, to engage with his daughter, yeah, we'll get a plan together. Yeah, we'll come alongside you and help you. And so parents, disciple your kids. They are learning worldview right now by watching you. And you have a lot less control than you think you do, but a lot more influence than you think you do. And if you don't disciple your kids, TikTok will. And they're not leading your kids to life. And so speak truth to your kids. Speak truth in your community groups. If you are not soaking in the word of God, then you are being selfish for those around you that need to hear truth, that need to hear hope, that need to hear the truths of God's word. And so if you're in here and in the coming weeks, people go, man, I wish they talked about this. Well then City Bridge, let's be the church. And let's look at one another and say, hey, I don't know if they have time to talk about that, but but let's be the church and go, okay, well, what does the Bible say about it? And stop waiting for a handful of people to give you the answer when God has given you the answer in his word. So speak truth to your kids, speak truth to your community, and then speak truth to neighbors, coworkers, families and friends that are far from Christ. This is one of the best opportunities we, like in my lifetime that I think the world is so dying for good news and guess what we have? We have good news that the world needs to hear, so share it. Seek truth, speak truth, and then finally love well. So many of us, when topics like this come up, we can either retreat back in apathy. I don't wanna talk about that. Or we can rise up in anger. Oh, I wanna talk about that. And there's a spectrum there. Where do you lean? Because Jesus doesn't want us to retreat back in apathy or rise up in anger. He wants to reach out as an ambassador of his love and his grace. 2 Timothy 2.24 says it this way, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they might come to their senses to escape the snare of the devil, because they're being held captive, just like we were once, to do his will. When I have the lens of the world on me, man, I can be selfish. But when I have the lens of Christ on me, I can listen to people who I can disagree with. And I can speak grace and truth to a world that's desperate for both. And so if you rise up in anger, stop picking up your sword and pick up your cross and follow Jesus. If you retreat in apathy, you are called to be an ambassador. And so let's love well. And it's possible of those three things, to speak truth, to seek truth, to love well, 
that you can do one of those really well. You can do two of those really well. You can do, God is calling us to do all three of those well. Because we can seek truth, but if we're not speaking it, we're not being loving. We can speak truth, but if we're not seeking it, we're being hypocritical. And we're speaking from our own self and our own wisdom and our own way. And if we're not loving well, then you're just a clinging gong that's just annoying and nobody wants to listen to. And so this week, ask your spouse, ask your community group, sit before God and ask yourself, am I seeking truth? Or have I made excuses? Am I speaking truth? Am I loving others well? So City Bridge, how do we see? The lens of the world is a denial of God that leads to a destructive life. And the lens of the word is a trust in God that leads to a transformed life. One of the best stories I could share about this is a story about a guy named John Newton. See, John Newton was an individual, he was a sailor back in the 18th century. He was a drunk, he was vile, he was so broken that the captain of his ship literally sold him into slavery because he didn't want anything to do with John because he was making the ship just a nightmare to be a part of. So after a couple of years of being in slavery, John got freed and, and he went and he became a slave trader. And for years, he went back and forth between Africa and the New World and he began to bring men, women, and children out of their homes and forcing them into slavery so he can make a buck. He put himself in the center and that led to a destructive life for himself and those around him. And one night in the middle of the Atlantic, a storm came down on his boat and he started freaking out because him as his little God couldn't save him in that moment. But he looked over and he saw people praying. And so he did the same. And he just said, God save me. And God did. And John didn't die that night, but he didn't quite get it until he met a group of Christians that told them about Jesus. And he said, that's the God who saved me that night. And John took off the blinders and put on the truths of Jesus as Jesus opened his eyes to see him. And his life was then marked by transformation so much so that by the end of John's life, he was only known for really three things. His compassion as a pastor and his local church community. His work to abolish slavery, where he spent the majority of his life profiting from, to now being a proponent against. And then finally, a song that he wrote that goes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught this heart to fear, and it was grace these fears relieved, because how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. He was given eyes to see, and that changed everything. The lens of the world is a denial of God and it always leads to destruction.
but the lens of the word of God is a trust in God and that leads to a transformed life. And so City Bridge, let's seek truth. Let's speak truth. And let's love well. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.